to have you at Portico. You might want to sit closer together today. Just saying. I was reminded today when I got up, if you're listening to me by way of broadcast, I was reminded when I got up this morning, I used to live in Alberta. I knew what the cold was. Who brought it? I thought we left it there. Drove down to the church. You know that little flat spot on your tires when it goes thump, 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 and you think you have a flat tire? I thought I had a flat tire. There was no way I was stopping to check. I was going to drive if I ruined my tires. I was not getting out. When the dash says it's minus 24 and the wind chill takes it to minus 37, I'm amazed you showed up today. But that's good. We're glad you're here. Yeah, good to have you here. And uh, just trust you feel right at home. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out. We're going to jump in. We're in a series called Relationships, Rethinking What's Best. Uh, or Sorry, we're in a series called Revolution, Rethinking What's Best in Life and Relationships. And we've been anchoring out of the book of uh, Luke chapter 10. So if you need to borrow a Bible this morning, if you're in the chapel, you're in the video cafe, or you're right here in the room, hold your hand up real high. And uh, we'll, we'll loan you a Bible that you can use this morning. You can just have this. We want you to see where we're reading from. Then you can just leave it on the seat. When we're finished today, we'll take care of it. And you're welcome to use those. And again, just keep your hand up high enough and our ushers will get there. If you're using a smart device, electronic device, you go to uversion.com. Look for live events. You'll find Mississauga. Look at Portico. Not only can you follow in the reading, you can take notes that way as well in a very, very convenient way. And in our bulletin, we have the printed notes for the rest of you. Well, in the series, we've been looking at different aspects of our relationship, particularly how God can use us to bring revolution not only to our lives, but the lives of those around us. And so if you go back over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about the area of, you know, we can rethink our life when it comes to this area of prayer, how prayer is much broader than just praying about our own particular needs, but there's actually a sphere of influence that God has brought us into. We've talked about rethinking the way we listen to people, that we listen to understand that it's not merely about getting our ideas and projecting our thoughts, but that there is an engaging relationship that builds when we learn how to listen effectively to others. Then we had a week where we talked about rethinking relationships, and everybody loved that one because we talked about food. I don't know, something about eating, just time. Everybody gets together on that one. And last week, we were talking about rethinking compassion, specifically how God has given us an ability to be able to serve and serve intentionally into other people's lives. So week after week, in Luke chapter 10, we've been looking at how when Jesus sent the 72 out, there was very, very specific instructions. So why did we share all of this? Because Jesus knew that he was headed to the cross, and it was coming to the culmination of his physical life on earth. That means that those that were his followers were about to be entrusted with the mandate of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace. And he knew he had to equip people to do that, and Jesus was a master equipper. So those were some of the principles we looked at. And today, I want to take us into the very last principle as it relates to this text. So if you turn to Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 5 to 9. You're welcome to follow along, follow along and then I'll share with you our principle. Here's what it says. It says, when you enter a house, Jesus speaking to the 72, he said, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone promotes peace uh, is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages and do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is ever offered to you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, we looked at that last phrase last week. We talked about heal the sick who are there, serve intentionally, and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, here's a little bit of a disconnect, because I would venture to say that most of us, 
who are followers of Christ, if you're investigating faith and you're on your pathway to discovering who Jesus really is and the message of the kingdom, you'll understand that his message of grace was not only about compassion, but it was about a call for life change, commitment. So most of us who would call ourselves followers of Christ, we recognize that it's far easier to demonstrate compassion than it is to speak about Jesus. You ever notice that? If I, I would suggest that if I were to ask that all of us would agree together, just an assertion, all of us would agree that we know we're to share our faith, but if we actively engaged in it, I think we'd find the numbers are dramatically different. In fact, I know this to be true. George Barna is a researcher and a statistician, so he loves, he's got a great job. He just gets to go ask people questions. So he goes out and he asks people questions all the time, and then he compiles it all and he sends it out. We get to read it and go, hmm, how do we apply that? So he actually asked a group of people who are followers of Christ, he wanted to know, do you believe that you are supposed to actively share your faith with others? Here's what George Barna discovered, that 73% of born-again Christians said, yes, we believe that part of our call and our commitment is that we should share our faith with others to let them know about the grace of God. Most Christians, I think, would agree with this because we know the Great Commission go make disciples. So we wouldn't argue with that. In fact, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, as you go from your Jerusalem to your Judea to your Samaria, go to the ends of the earth. So when you're going, you've got to tell the story. Well, George followed this up. George Barna followed it up. If 73% said yes, he was curious, how many are actually practicing? So he followed it up with a question. Here's what he discovered, that depending on the age group that we fall into, George discovered in the responses that somewhere between 20 to 30, 34% of people actually share their faith. So he said there's this disparity that's there. We, we know, Jesus said, go and tell, and we're happy when people go and tell, but we don't go and tell. And so it just raises this question in my mind, why is it that there is this extremely dramatic difference between what we firmly feel in our hearts that we are convicted to do and what we practice in our everyday life? So I thought, well, this would be something that would be great to wrestle down together as we talk about revolution. Because good news can't be good news if we don't tell it. And yet I know that for most people, because the statistics prove it, now I would say it's true in the room. That most of us go, I believe it's important to share my faith. Please don't ask me to tell anybody. Because there's nervousness, there's intimidation, there's, there's all kinds of reasons why we feel this way. Now, I had to ask myself a question. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but I'm an introvert. Just waiting. I want that to sink in. I am. I am an introvert, but I can function in a different way when I have a public calling and a public responsibility. But, you know, my dream life is give me a cup of coffee, place me in the corner of my favorite coffee shop, and leave me alone. So how do I tell others the good news of Jesus? And you're, some of you are looking at me going, wow, every week you're standing up there. See, we can operate in different ways, but the natural giftings and personalities that we have, I really believe God uses those for His purpose and His kingdom. So I was trying to reconcile you know, I believe in sharing the gospel, but what I do in a public form and what God has gifted me to do in this way is not how I function in a private way. 
And so the way I build relationships and the way I share the gospel is very, very different than what I do here on a Sunday, and I'm sure it's true for many of you. So I started to think about my world, and I go, what is it about evangelism, Doug, that when you were growing up, that you just, it was hard for you to embrace? Because we all agree, don't we? Jesus is the best news ever. Okay, this is interactive church, people. We can go there. So Jesus is the best news ever, right? All right, there you I know you're frozen. Vocal cords, we'll get you loosened up. So a little bit of coffee. Jesus is the best news ever, but why don't we share it? So I started thinking about my life. I remember what evangelism was like. Some of you remember this. Evangelism used to be considered, it was like street witnessing. You had preachers standing on the street corner. That freaks me right out. Then you had the street witnesses that would just walk up and they would like cold call you on the street. You ever have that? Somebody wants to convert you to Jesus and you're already a follower of Jesus and you go, you just listen to them, let them run their whole thing and go, it's okay, I've already bought in, thanks, see ya. And I thought, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm really comfortable in my own personality and temperament to do that. And then you would see the ones that who door-to-door, they have to go door-to-door, and they knock on the door, and they share Jesus. And some of you are amazing at that, and I applaud you for doing that. In fact, I was so convinced that that was the only way to do evangelism. I remember we attended a church, and they were doing an evangelism morning. And I thought, well, Doug, you know, you love Jesus. You better get out there and do it. So I went to the church thinking they were going to train us how to, you know, do our testimony and how to share our faith. I only came to discover when I got there, we were actually going to go door-to-door sharing our faith. That just sent like all kinds of fear through my body because I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't know who's on the other side of the door and how they're going to treat me. So I went through the training and now I'm busted. Like you can't leave. You're in the training class and there's only a handful of you. And they say, okay, let's go. We're all going to go out to the street. So we actually went off door to door. I remember knocking on the door because I know what I do when people knock on my door. I know what you do when you people knock on your doors, okay? Let's be honest here. So here we are knocking on the door, and I'm thinking, okay, what's going to happen on the other side? Now, this is a number of years ago. People were still fairly kind and nice, but we still had people slam the door. And then when people go, yes, and then you just like, you freeze. You go, wow, they're keeping the door open. Now what do I tell them? How do you start a story like, uh, do you know you're a sinner? That's not a way you want to start a Saturday morning with somebody at the other side of the door. All of these things. So when I think about evangelism, I go, I think people are petrified because of the different ways. Now, some of you are gifted. The Bible actually talks about the fact some of you are very gifted with evangelism. You have the gift. You're able to do that. That's not in my world. So I used to think about evangelism. I think we should leave it to the experts. Don't you agree? We should leave it to the evangelists like Billy Graham and D.L. Moody and Franklin Graham and T.D. Jakes and Stephen Tong. Or we should give it to the apologists like Lee Strobel and Ravi Zacharias and uh, Tim Keller or C.S. Lewis. Let those guys take care of it for us. Right? Thank you. One no and the rest are going, I think I'm with you, Doug. I like your kind of church. That's what I love about church. We can all sign up together. We know, we know that Jesus has asked us to tell. He didn't say hand it off to Pastor Jeff or Pastor Doug or one of the other pastoral staff or to Rabbi Zacharias or to Tim Keller. We know that the Bible says that in your going, make disciples. You can't make a disciple if you don't share your faith. So how do we do this? How do we reconcile this dilemma? Because if we know that it's an essential part of our Christian life, yet statistically fewer and fewer people are actually sharing their faith. By the way, let me press pause. The one generation that needs to be applauded is in the research they discovered, those of you that were born in the 1980s to the early 2000s, you're called the millennials. They are actually the most uh, advanced group that are willing to actually tell other people about their faith story. 
They're very active in serving and sharing, and they're very active in telling. So we applaud you for doing that. But I really believe that all of us, I do, I believe all of us would love to do it if there was a way to do it without being so afraid and that it would be natural to us. So is there a better way to share our faith and tell others that the kingdom of God has come near so that they can hear good news? Because if it's good news, everybody wants to know, and I don't know about you, but if I know good news, I always like to tell a good story. So there is a way, and I really believe it's this. It's called the power of story. It is something that has been used all throughout human history. It has been our principal method of teaching and sharing and preserving and transferring, whether it's knowledge or wisdom, history or culture or practice. Story has been the one principal conduit that all mankind has used. Story is what binds us together because people love to hear a good story And there is nothing better than telling a great story and when people are listening to you. Now, there are many, many effective, and I don't want you to misunderstand me today. There are many effective methods of evangelism. And I applaud anyone who's willing to go out and share their faith and let people know. But my passion through this series is I think there's a revolution in rethinking evangelism that all of us together can find a way to be able to tell others about the good news. Tell them. The kingdom of God has come near. So get your notes out. Let me give you a couple of principles that I think will work for all of us today. And here's what they are. The very first one is this. It comes to the power of story. God has given you a story that's worth telling. God has given you. Every one of us in this room has a story that is absolutely worth sharing with others. Now, before you dismiss that statement, because I know right away, there are people, you're putting the brakes on, you go, wait. My life story is not all that interesting, Doug. I don't think I have, you know, the kind of story that people are going to like sit up and take notice of. I want you to realize that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have discovered his grace. Your story doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. He is the author. He is the director of your movie. He wrote the script and your story is worth sharing. Because every story has the power to bring change. And the story that you have today is a story that someone needs to hear. So when I think about the fact that God loves us enough that he brings his grace into us, into our lives, then imagine what God could do if we were willing to simply tell our personal story. Now I know it's easier to default. And let me tell you about somebody else's more exciting story. But I want you to stay with your story. Here's what it says in your notes. Look in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter, remember who Peter was. This is the guy who tripped up and failed Jesus. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Now some of you are going to stop there and you're going to go, great. If I don't say anything and nobody asks, I don't have to tell anybody anything. Isn't that a good verse? We're not done yet. Here's what it says. Everyone who asks you, to give you the reason for the hope that you have. So Peter says, we all have hope because of Christ. And I like how he qualified it. He said, it's the hope you have. Your story, your hope is different than mine. We can't tell each other's stories effectively. In fact, God uses my story for his purposes. He uses your story for his purposes. But he doesn't blend them together and mix them together. I got thinking about the power of story. We know this to be true. The movie industry spends ridiculous amounts of money to make sure that movies are highly successful. 
So what they do is oftentimes, if you've done any research into this, they'll script, produce, shoot the movie, and then they'll actually screen it with a select audience. They'll get an advanced audience in. And they will show the movie to that audience, and they watch how the audience reacts to the different scenes, the different setting. You know, if the hero dies too early, or there's no, nobody falls in love, or there's no big dramatic ending to the movie. If it doesn't win the audience's approval, they'll go back and they'll reshoot it. They'll do it until they get it perfect. Because why are they doing it? They want to make money. That's bottom line. They want to get a follower and they want to make some great money. So we think about Hollywood. They get these do-overs all the time. Well, here's the challenge. We watch these movies. By the way, they're always incredible. You do know they're fiction, right? If you're, if no, if you're not convinced, uh, someone commented one time, he said, have you ever noticed when you watch a movie, the best hiding place is always in the ventilation system of a building? It's always big enough to hold you. Always clean. That's amazing. My furnace is never that clean. Theirs is always, and you can always get from one side of the building to the other side of the building. The other thing about the fictitious nature of a movie, you ever notice the bad guy? Like when he's being shot at, like all the evil villains, they're firing hundreds of bullets and he never gets hit. He has a six-shooter that shoots 30 rounds and he hits everybody at 100 meters away. Amazing thing about movies. Well, we look at our life and we go, our life isn't a blockbuster. And we can't reshoot the scenes. Some of us wish we could. There's probably one or two or three scenes we'd like to reshoot. Yet God's given you a story that is fully worth sharing. Now, the Bible shows me something very clearly. There are some very dramatic stories of followers of Jesus. And there are some ordinary. We'll call them mundane, but they're rather ordinary. So think about, for just a moment, think about the Apostle Paul. He's the one that wrote most of the New Testament for us. He used to be called Saul. If we had to put his life into a movie, we could have Saul, you know, Terminator to Transformer. That's kind of who he was. Or a person like Job. Job, man, what a story. Like his whole life is gone in 60 seconds. That's, that would be the movie title for his life. So we look at people like this and we go, wow, if I had their story, I could tell that. But then conversely, think about some of the more, what I'd call ordinary stories. You got James and John. Jesus walking by the beach, sees a couple of fishermen, and he goes, hey, guys, how about you give up fishing and you become a fisher for men? And they go, okay, and they do. Now, they got some neat little experiences with Jesus, but their personal story wasn't like Saul, who was standing by while people are being executed, and then all of a sudden now he's this powerful preacher transformer. Theirs is rather ordinary. Or you have somebody like Andrew who hears Jesus and goes and tells his brother, he goes, hey, I, I think maybe there's somebody you need to come in here. And he's just a good brother. Or what about somebody like Timothy, the faithful one? In fact, I put it there in your notes because I think it's worth looking at. Timothy's story is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, you know what? I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And he goes, and now I'm persuaded it lives in you. Timothy, you're... Your life isn't like my life. Paul would go to the synagogues. Paul would go to the streets. And they go, hey, isn't that a guy that used to stand by and watch people get killed and haul him off to prison? And he was like just a rebel. And they go, yeah, yeah, isn't it amazing? He got saved. And yet Paul says to Timothy, you know what I really love about you? You've been stable all the way through. God preserved your life. Your grandmother influenced your mother. Your mother influenced you. Timothy, don't forsake your testimony. And what I find in the church, one of the reasons that we maybe don't tell our story is because we feel we don't have anything to share. 
But one of the greatest testimonies is the testimony of God's keeping power that he can keep us when we trust our lives. And we've seen children at the ages of three and four and five that make these little faith decisions and you go, is it really going to matter? Is it really going to... And you watch them all through their life and they never fail. And you go, that's a story worth telling, that they were a part of a great heritage. So friends, no matter where we are in the spectrum, we all have a story that is definitely worth telling. All right, let's go to the notes again. And let's look at principle number two. Not only has God given you a story that's worth telling, but God will use your story to greatly influence others. God will use your story to greatly influence others. I think we forget that one of the most effective responses of a great story is it causes an action or people will do something as a result of hearing it. So influence is one of the key things that comes out of this. If you look at your notes in John chapter 4, story of Jesus on his way through Samaria he meets this woman at the well and he's thirsty and she's drawing water. He says to her, he says, would you mind giving me some water to drink? And they get into this whole conversation and Jesus throws this thing in about living water and she's going, whoa, I'd love to have living water and never be thirsty again. And then he starts to sort of enumerate all of her life story. And she is like amazed. She goes, whoa, you're definitely a prophet. But the more that he goes, the more she begins to wonder, this guy knows way too much. Maybe he's more than just a prophet. Maybe, just maybe, this guy's the Messiah. And I put it in your notes in John 4, 29. She runs back to her village and says to the people in the village, she says, I want you to come and see a man who knew all about the things that I did, who knows me inside out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? So here you have this dramatic story. She's encountered Christ Something is transpiring within her heart. She knows that no ordinary prophet could merely surmise the things that Jesus has already told. And the Holy Spirit is already drawing her, going, yeah, you're in the presence of someone much greater than you think you are. So she races back to her village, and there's two little actions that take place here. She has a story to tell, and she shares her story with others. And the way she framed it, look at the end of verse 29. She goes to the people in the village. She goes, do you think this could be the Messiah. I think that's one of the most effective tools that we have in telling our story is we're not trying to force Christ on people. We're not trying to force people into the kingdom. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to Christ, so we can't force him in anyhow. But we can ask good questions. We can tell our story and go, what do you think? And so she asks the people in her own village, she goes, what do you guys think? Because I'm still wrestling this through and I'm thinking maybe he's the Messiah. And as a result of this, all the people in the village come out and they listen to Jesus and they respond. That's the power of story when we simply take what God has written in our heart and we share it with others and we invite them to experience it. It's what God did with Paul. Look at Acts chapter 19, sorry, chapter 18, verse 9. God was speaking to Paul and he said, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. He said, Paul, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Paul, I'm going to use your story to greatly influence others. And that last statement, he says, Paul, I have many people that are in this city. Friends, do you realize the story that God has written on your heart He is waiting to release in the most natural way to influence people who live in proximity to you. He doesn't expect you to be a Billy Graham 
or a T.D. Jakes. He doesn't expect you to be a C.S. Lewis or a Ravi Zacharias. He expects you to be who you are. And he takes your gifts and your personality and your temperament. And he naturally, through the Spirit, will use your story to bring people into relationship with him. Paul would write to Timothy, and he would remind Timothy of something very, very powerful, that God has the ability to use any story. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now watch this. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. How is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. It's amazing how God will take our story 
He'll take your story and my story, and if we're faithful to share our story, he'll just weave it together in this tapestry of relationships, and we have no idea whose life will be impacted, all because we're willing to do what Jesus said. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. Tell them about my grace, and just do it through the power of your story. We'll go back into your notes. One last thought before we wrap up today. I think God, not only will God use you to influence others, but God will bless you every time you step out and you bless others. We see it all through Scripture. God promised Abraham. He said, I'm going to raise you up. You're going to be a light to the nations of the world. And Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Tells Israel, I want you to be a light to the nations of the world. And what does God do? He says, I just want to bless you. And then to the followers of Jesus, he goes, all I want you to do is to be a light and salt, light to the nations of the world, salt to this world in which we live. And I just want to bless you. And every time we are faithful, I really believe that God's blessing is upon us when we're willing to step out and to bless others. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, Therefore we are Christ's representative, and through us God is calling you. So we beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. That everyone who makes a faith decision to trust in Jesus Christ becomes one point of representation for God to use. And God will just take and exponentially use that in the lives of others. I think at Portico, all of us understand, because you've heard me say this before, we believe this, that God will use our story to influence people in our spheres of influence. And it's how we rethink what we do in life and relationships, because we are committed here to helping people find their way back to God. And every story is an invitation for people to discover the wonderful grace of God. That's why when Jesus sent out the 72, he goes, go, and yeah, heal the sick, be compassionate, but tell them, let the story come through and complete the full circle of the blessing of God. Well, in your notes this morning, we took that word bless and we put it up into capitals because if you've been following and tracking carefully with us, it's really a summary of what we've covered over the last five weeks. And if you took each of those letters it would go back to a message and you can go back into our, uh, onto our podcast or go back onto our website and you can listen to the messages if you happen to miss one. But in the series of revolution, rethinking what's best in life and relationships, one of the things we talked about is that letter B, that in our sphere of influence, those people that are closest to us always begin with prayer. That God has put you there. Your story, how do you share your story? Always begin with prayer. You pray for those people that you're closest to. The letter L, that was a message that we talked about, rethinking, listening. That in those areas, those people that are close to us, we we hear them. We don't simply talk at them. We actually are in conversation with them, and we hear what's going on in their world. The letter E was rethinking relationship. It's where we start to spend time. If it's down at the coffee shop, we have a coffee with them. If it's at a restaurant, we invite them in for a meal. If it's a neighbor, we bring them over to our home. If it's somebody that we go to university or college with, we make arrangements to have a quick bite to eat, and we just hang out with them. We have a relationship. The S stood for serve intentionally. It was that compassion is a great thing, but we don't simply serve so we feel better, but we serve so that God's kingdom is actually being expressed in the way that he wants it to be, that this world will be transformed through the power of compassionate believers that are serving intentionally. And particularly, we start to serve those who are in our orbit because we all have people. And when we serve them, What does that do? That opens up doors for conversations. And today we're talking about that last letter, which is share your story. It's rethinking evangelism. 
that it's not about a process that you, you, know, you put it together and it's A plus B is going to result in C or, or putting some kind of formula together and people are going to respond to the grace of Christ. It's about us sharing our story when the Holy Spirit prompts us. So bless is a word that you're going to see around here. It's just an easy memory tool for us to remind ourselves that every day, wherever I go, wherever you go, God has put you in a place of great influence. And when you step into that place of great influence, you just begin to pray. You listen to understand. You look for opportunity to eat together. You serve when you can serve intentionally. And then a moment's going to come where you're going to get a chance to share your story. And that's all God wants you to do. Share your story. Because in that process, the Holy Spirit has already been drawing people. In fact, it's true, I think, for all of us. We can go back and see how the Holy Spirit brought us into the relationship with our Heavenly Father. And some of you, you're listening to my voice today, and you might even be feeling that inner draw. And you're not even sure how to describe what's going on there, but you just know that God's love is so overwhelming that it's almost irresistible. And in fact, it is. It's grace. And it's irresistible. And that's how we come into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 52, 7, it says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Did you know that God tells you, you have beautiful feet when you take those feet into places where you influence people and you share your story? So I want to do something together this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and join us here. And we're going to sing a song of declaration. It's going to be an expression of commitment. I'm just going to lead us in prayer, and then I want you to sing with me this morning. Because I really believe this. I believe we want, we know we need to share the story. We want to share the story, but we often don't know how. And through your personal story, when you open your heart and life up to Christ, and you give the Holy Spirit some room in your circles of influence, He's going to let you talk to your neighbors. Who's your neighbor? Maybe it's your physical neighbors. Maybe somebody who attends school with you, attends college. Could be that waitress or that waiter that you talk to every time you go into that restaurant. And you've always thought to yourself, I'd love to tell them about Jesus. I just don't know how to get there. And all of a sudden this morning, it's all coming together for you real naturally. Pray about that. Don't think about it. Pray about it because God will start working. Listen to understand. And when you hear a part of the story, you're able to step in and speak into that. Invite them just to a time for a meal together. Serve into their world, and then the moment's going to come for you to share your story. Friends, it's very natural, but the results, they're supernatural. So let's stand together this morning. Father, as we stand in your presence, over in the chapel, over in the video cafe, right here in the room, those listening to me, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to actually do what you desire to use our life, our story, to become a demonstration of the glory of God. When we think about the people represented in this prayer right now, the thousands and thousands of lives that are all within our spheres of influence, how remarkable would it be to see your kingdom of grace sweep into their worlds where there's hurt and brokenness and woundedness and disappointments, and it can all begin when we share our story. So would you help us together to do that? We pray it in Christ's name. Sing with us.
declaration I'm living for your glory for all the earth so I just want to commission you this morning I believe that the scriptures have power directly over our lives and when we pray them over our lives the Holy Spirit just uses that to send us out so if you're gifted to be an evangelist or you're gifted with a gift of evangelism we bless you and then we send you out there because we know you're doing an amazing job but every one of us has a story that's worth sharing. And I never want the enemy to take that away from you because your story 
is going to be God's conduit for grace for people in your life. So would you pray and let me pray the scripture over you this morning? In Romans chapter 10, Paul says to the believers, he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So Holy Spirit, we stand in your presence today offering our lives to you to be messengers of good news. So I pray for everyone, every man, woman, and child that is listening to me this morning. I pray that you would just infuse them with your courage, your boldness, and your strength. That they would operate in the giftedness that you have given to them, in the uniqueness of their personality, their temperaments, and their traits. And as they go out, every place they go, may those that they come into contact with be influenced by their story. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, Use us for the glory of God in all the earth. And I pray it in Christ's name this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.